Welcome to episode 55 of the PharmaExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, senior editor of PharmaExec magazine and our podcast host. PharmaExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Katherine Jansen, senior vice president and head of vaccine research and development at Pfizer. Katherine talks about protecting children from respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, by way of a new maternal vaccine that is now in trials. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Katherine. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at trueserumntwk.com. Hey everyone, today Elaine and I are interviewing Katherine Jansen, Senior Vice President and Head of Vaccine Research and Development at Pfizer. Katherine's here to talk about the challenges of creating a new maternal vaccine for respiratory syncytial virus, which is also known as RSV. This vaccine is currently being administered to pregnant women in trials in the hopes of protecting their infants from RSV. It's a new way to approach inoculation and we're pretty excited to talk about it. Thanks for joining us today, Catherine. Kristen and Elaine, thank you for having me on the program today. I'm very happy to be here to talk about important advances we are making with our maternal immunization portfolio that currently includes active programs on group B streptococcus and respiratory syncytial virus. We are very excited about the potential for maternal vaccines to protect millions of vulnerable infants around the globe. I'm excited to get the word out to our uh, listeners. So why don't we start with a little bit of background. Um, what is RSV and what preventative measures are currently available? So respiratory syncytial virus or RSV is a common respiratory virus that affects the lungs and airways. It can feel like the common cold for most young healthy adults, but for infants, particularly very young infants and the elderly, it can be potentially life-threatening. The disease burden of RSV is actually very high, and each year during RSV season, neonatal intensive care units are filled to capacity in the United States to take care of sick infants uh, that came down with RSV. Interestingly, RSV causes more hospitalization each year than influenza among young children. And globally, there are an estimated uh, 33 million cases of RSV annual in children less than five years of age, with about 3 million hospitalized and up to approximately 120,000 dying each year from complications associated with the RSV infection. Currently, there is no practical antiviral treatments for RSV. Doctors and healthcare providers are actually limited to offering supportive care only for those with the illness. And given the disease burden and lack of affordable and efficient prevention, makes RSV a very attractive vaccine target. 
So I understand there's no current vaccine for RSV and that no vaccine is currently licensed for use specifically in pregnant women to protect infants. So this new candidate could actually be a twofold breakthrough, right? It's what are some of the challenges you've seen on both fronts? Yeah, let me start with challenges of, uh, that are associated to, with getting the vaccine antigen or the vaccine right in the first place. So a successful RSV vaccine has been an elusive goal for the global health community for over half a century. And the World Health Organization has indicated that the development of an RSV vaccine is a very high priority. One of the reasons a vaccine for RSV has been so elusive for so long is the fact that we did not understand the complicated structure of the viral target protein that we call fusion protein, and that was used as a vaccine antigen in historical trials. However, a breakthrough discovery at the NIH and new scientific tools that we and others developed showed that while we had the right vaccine antigen, which is the fusion protein that fuses the viral membrane with the host cell membrane to cause an infection, the antigen used in those prior vaccine trials had the wrong structure. The NIH discovery showed that the fusion protein, as it exists on the virus, is very unstable. So any attempt to make it in the past triggered the fusion protein to switch into the wrong structure. Our RSV vaccine candidate, we call it RSV pre-F, uses a stabilized fusion protein or pre-fusion F. We developed this pre-fusion protein using a number of stabilizing tricks so it can no longer switch to the wrong form. Now we are laser focused on advancing this RSV vaccine candidate for maternal immunization. Our recent phase one, two clinical data have already confirmed that our vaccine candidate induces far higher virus neutralizing antibodies than prior candidates. Given the large number of existing clinical data and information from a licensed monoclonal antibody, we established models to predict the neutralizing antibody levels needed for protection, and we believe that our levels have the potential to be indeed protective. A second obstacle was maternal immunization that has presented its own challenges. So consider previously, pregnant women were seen as vulnerable populations excluded from clinical trials, including those for vaccines. Recently, there has been a shift in this mindset caused in part by the success of vaccines to prevent neonatal tetanus and pertussis, as well as influenza in pregnant women and infants. Maternal tetanus immunization is a great example of the power of maternal vaccines. Tetanus is a deadly but vaccine-preventable disease. In developing countries, neonatal tetanus used to kill almost a million young infants a year. In the 1980s, doctors introduced tetanus vaccines to pregnant mothers, resulting in over 92% decrease in neonatal deaths. That was really a stunning achievement. In addition, the WHO, with a world-renowned expert committee, has done an exquisite job to study the safety of maternal immunization. WHO found no evidence of adverse pregnancy outcomes from the vaccination of pregnant women with inactivated virus, bacterial vaccines, or toxoid vaccines. I actually had the pleasure to attend the WHO meeting when the safety data were discussed, and I knew right then 
that the time was right now to address infectious diseases that occur shortly after birth through maternal vaccines. This is now a new frontier in vaccinology, and we plan to become leaders in this field. So you've worked on other important vaccines, including Trumenba, the first vaccine licensed in the U.S. to prevent invasive disease caused by Neisseria meningitidis group B. And previously at Merck, you helped develop Gardasil, the first cervical cancer vaccine. How have those experiences helped in developing this vaccine? Yeah, I have dedicated my career to improving public health through the development of vaccines. And along the way, indeed, I have learned many lessons and um, that have a tremendous impact on my work today. Let me just share two experiences with you. One of my biggest takeaways has been the importance of knowing your end goal and what success actually looks like. In the case of vaccines, success is to have the broadest global health impact. Keeping that goal in mind drives you to design the vaccine candidates for that purpose and conduct the clinical trials that ultimately support global rollout of the vaccine. So for example, with Gardasil, we designed the tetravalent vaccine initially to prevent diseases and cancer caused by the human papillomavirus in both men and women, and we conducted the clinical development programs to include both gender. Today, the vaccine is preventing HPV infections and related cancers in men and women, and what we did not even know at the time has also now the chance to prevent some head and neck cancer caused by HPV in both men and women. So by targeting both gender, we are today providing far more coverage against disease caused by HPV than if we would have focused solely on women to address cervical cancer. Another learning from the Gardasil and Tremember clinical development programs was also to minimize the sequential nature of clinical trials where each trial is usually just asked one or two questions. With our RSV vaccine, we have taken a very different approach and asked many questions in one large phase one, two study to allow for faster maternal vaccine development, but also in this first study, gain experience and insight in how to develop an RSV vaccine to prevent disease in older adults. So thoughtful vaccine design to maximize impact, plus smarter and more efficient clinical development to expedite vaccine development timelines, I think are two very important lessons that I learned over the years. So what was the impetus behind creating a maternal immunization for RSV versus vaccinating the child after birth? Yeah, the reason for this is that human immune systems are not fully formed at birth. And because of that, protecting the newly born infants in the hours, days, and weeks after birth requires a different vaccine approach uh, for being protective. So during the first few months of life, sometimes we call this the window of vulnerability, the infants are really at the highest risk for potentially deadly infections like RSV and another disease we are studying caused by group B streptococcus or GBS that strikes very quickly after birth. So to help protect young infants during this period of vulnerability, mothers can naturally provide protection by transferring antibodies from their blood to their vulnerable and growing babies in the womb. 
This is an active and quite ingenious biological process. This protection afforded by the mother is called maternal immunity. The problem, though, is that many mothers may not have sufficient protective antibody levels in their blood. Some even have none to protect against a given infectious disease. So by immunizing the pregnant mother preferentially during the third trimester, when the mother actively transfers antibody to the baby, we can raise protective antibody levels in all mothers, therefore providing the best possible protection to the baby during the most vulnerable time after birth. So we are hopeful that the maternal vaccines we are developing for ISV and GBS will indeed boost this natural maternal immunity, which we are assessing currently in our clinical trials, so that hopefully, in the end, we can give millions of babies around the world a better chance of surviving these pathogens. Is it difficult to recruit pregnant women for a maternal immunization trial? I mean, you spoke a little bit before about the benefits um, in the statistics, and I'm just curious how how do you address the risks involved when it comes to recruiting pregnant women? Yeah, so that's a very uh, important question. Um, so first of all, the safety of vaccines during pregnancy is now well documented, as I noted earlier. The WHO has done a comprehensive analysis supported by multiple randomized clinical trials and observational studies to show that inactivated virus or bacterial and toxoid-based vaccines are indeed safe for use during pregnancy with no increased risk of adverse events for mothers or infants. In fact, Tdap and influenza vaccines are today recommended with each pregnancy in the United States and other countries because the health benefit of these vaccines has been so clearly shown. So yes, the health benefits far outweigh any potential risks. That being said, we were a bit concerned about potential difficulties in enrolling pregnant women in our studies. Why? This is the first time we are developing new vaccines that are specifically for the purpose of maternal immunization. So we were actually expecting some hesitancy. We were very surprised to see, however, that far more women than expected were interested in joining our RSV maternal vaccine study. We believe the demand was driven by recognition of the severity of RSV disease and an understanding of the urgent need for an RSV vaccine to protect infants. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing that information with us. That's really great information. Yeah, it is very good. Kristen and Elaine, thank you for having me on the program today. I appreciate the opportunity to share the exciting new frontier of maternal vaccine development to help protect newly born infants from infectious diseases across the globe. What if you had limitless access to customer insights, accelerated timelines, and set fees? At True Serum Network, we're fueled by connections in virtually every area of healthcare as part of MJH Life Sciences. The result? Audience-fed creative and more powerful content in less time. True Serum Network, releasing what's real. Find out more at truestearumntwk.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. 
My name is Catherine Jansen, and I'm a senior vice president and head of vaccine research and development at Pfizer. And here's my leadership tip. It is very important to establish a clear, focused, and long-term vision with your teams about what represents success when designing a vaccine or drug for that matter. While executing on the vision, it is important to establish and adhere to clear go-no-go decision points during R&D. As a scientist and leader, it is important to stop an unsuccessful approach as early as possible as it provides one the opportunity to have another shot on goal. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mjhlifesciences.com. 